Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hey there, everybody. It's Tracy Marquardt, co-host of The Audit Room. Uh, my co-host, Trent Russell, is unable to be here today. Trent is uh, the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where they make analytics actually work for internal audit. And I am all things audit communication for your global audit teams, from audit report writing to interviewing, negotiating, uh, preventing conflict, all those kinds of things. And I'm super excited today because we have with us uh, Jamie Shine, and we're going to be talking about people versus process, relational auditing. Now, Jamie, I when I was doing my research for this, I could go on and on in your introduction. I'm going to try and keep it short here, and you could add you can add whatever you want to after. Um, Jamie is a corporate and IT audit manager at Quick Trip. She's a well-known speaker and author, published several articles, speaks on stages, and uh, was recognized in 2022 by Richard Chambers as an internal audit beacon award recipient, which I think is fantastic. So congratulations on that. I know you've also received other awards in 2018. Um, Jamie is also a facilitator for the Institute of Internal Audit. Um, she leads in-person and virtual training, and she currently serves as an IIA district representative and a member of the IIA's North American Chapter Relations Committee. So that's probably very relevant to our topic today. I actually don't yep. serve as that anymore. Sorry. Oh, no. but I, I rolled off. Now I'm on the Institute Relations Committee, which is a global committee that does kind of the same thing. But yeah, okay. very relevant. I want to update that lately. I love it. <laughs> I am so sorry. I do need to update my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> That's okay. A lesson and, for everyone. Update your LinkedIn. <laughs> and there you go. There you go. Um, actually, yeah, I just had someone look at my LinkedIn profile to see what I need to uh, to to pimp up there. But uh, interestingly, <laughs> uh, Jamie has um, IMDb credits, so we're gonna we're gonna pick her brain on that towards the end of the session. So I'll just make sure we're admitting everyone. And you know, Jamie, I'll hand it to you if you want to say anything, and then I'll just jump in with my first question. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. I'm thrilled to be on the audit room today and thrilled to get to talk about something that's such a passion of mine. It's actually a passion of mine because it's something I'm not naturally good at. So I know most people like to come talk about things that they are naturally good at. Uh, this is something that was not natural to me, and it's something that I've had to be very intentional about, really grow at. And we'll talk about that through the session today. And that's why it's so important to me, because I have seen results and because I have seen it it make me more effective at helping people, which is our entire job as internal auditors, right? Helping our clients achieve their goals. 
I think that's a very interesting observation, um, which takes immediately diverging off where I was going to go. But well, because because actually it's not natural for me either. And it really is. Yeah. And it's a skill that I have worked on and I work on it every day. And I've been working on it for like 25 years. And and that is the only reason that I am as successful as I am. So I think this is going to be a great session um, for everyone. That's awesome. I love that, Tracy, because yeah. you're kind of the expert at communication and building relationships. And so that is, I think that's really encouraging, honestly, to hear that this is something that you also have acquired as a learned skill that you've worked at, not just something that came naturally. Absolutely. 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 And uh, you can, you can, Ask my mother. She'll tell you it's not <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So listen, today we're focusing and expanding on your article that was published in February 2022 um, in the Internal Auditor magazine published by the IA. And the, the title of that article is Getting Personal. So I'm going to pop that link in the, the chat. And then I just want to start with you know the first question because we talked the title is like people versus process and relational auditing so maybe you can tell us what you mean by relational relational auditing because there's probably some folks out there that are going like oh my god there's a new type of auditing and i've missed it so what do you mean by that i love that i think relational auditing applies to a lot of things and first i just want to give credit to my co-author for that article as well seth is brilliant I recommend him to speak to chapters all the time. He is such an expert at this, and he's something, someone that I have witnessed be amazing at building relationships with people. And some of the tips that I'll be sharing are probably things that I've observed him do as well. But when we're talking about relational auditing, we're talking about focusing on people, not just on process, not just on risk and controls. Our job as auditors is to help our clients achieve their strategic objectives through providing that assurance, providing that advice, well, we can't help them achieve their goals if we don't know them as humans, if we don't have relationships with them. That human factor is so critical. So yeah, we can look at processes and controls all day, but if we don't have a relationship with them, we probably don't know what they're really trying to achieve. So none of that is really going to matter. And if we don't have those relationships, we won't have a seat at the table to be able to truly understand what could prevent them from achieving their goals. I don't believe in checklist auditing. I probably just made a whole bunch of people mad. So I apologize <laughs> to everyone out there in podcast land, but I hate checklist auditing. I think that we have to understand the people element before we can even start digging into the process side. I, and I think that's so critical because it's it's almost like um, uh, we need to remember to be human beings before we're auditors, right? Yes, 100%. All right. And you talk about, um, I'd say for a good chunk of the article, you talk about aligning your values as an auditor um, or aligning with the values uh, and culture of the organization. And I, I, I have to say, I don't, in my experience, I haven't had that conversation with a lot of auditors where they actually thought that through and what that means. So why is it important to align with the value values and cultures of an organization and Maybe you could share some of your experiences and ideas on that. Definitely. So for us at Quick Trip, our culture is everything. It's so critical in what we do. Even when we hire, including hiring auditors, we want to make sure that they're a good culture fit for the organization. And as a new internal auditor, I was sent to a week of MDC, Manager Development Conference, which is basically Quick Trip culture boot camp. You start at, I think, 6.30 in the morning and you have stuff going on until 10 at night. And you're just getting embedded in the culture of the organization, working with store managers from all across the country. 
and, and managers from all of our business units and getting to understand what do we care about as an organization. And that culture is going to be different. Any quick trip employee, and I dare you to go into a quick trip store and say, hey, what are your five core values? And anybody should be able to answer that for you. We live and breathe by those. And that's so important for me as an auditor. If I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to help people achieve their goals, I have to be bought into that culture. I have to understand that culture and align with it. And our culture very much aligns with the vision and mission of the organization. So our mission as Quick Trip is to enable our employees to grow and succeed, which is probably different than a lot of organizations, especially for-profit organizations like we are. We exist to employ people, to give them a great livelihood, to help them get promoted. We promote from within. We don't hire a ton externally. And we promote people and train them for jobs in areas that maybe they haven't had any experience in. We'll send them to college. So that's a huge part of our culture. And I need to be aligned with that in order to be effective. If I'm not aligned with that culture, then no one's going to trust me. And all the advice I give is going to, it's going to sound like I'm coming from left field. It's not going to be relevant. As an example, for an organization that exists to employ people, if I came in and tried to automate every single process that we have and all of my audit recommendations were about eliminating headcount, that couldn't be in alignment with my organization's strategic objectives. And I wouldn't be effective. People wouldn't trust me. People would say, please don't put Jamie on our audit. And that's certainly never what we want. And so I think that's so important. I also think we have to align with the culture of the individual departments we're working with. My petroleum group, their culture is very different than some of the other cultures. For example, the payment systems team who's on my floor, they are very relational. When you're working with them, it's important to understand their personal lives. It's important to understand what makes them click, who they are as individuals. The petroleum traders in particular, they are so busy. Everything is money. A deal can go down so quickly. So they kind of want you to be bold, be brief, be gone. And so understanding those subcultures within the organization helps us serve our clients better as well. Tracy, do you have any thoughts on that? I just, I, I'm sitting here kind of being astounded by the quick trip culture, to be honest, because I, you know, there's an energy that comes off the screen when you speak. And I think you embody those values and that kind of mindset. And I don't know that I'm just, you know, kind of running through the experiences in my head and all the, I mean, I've trained over 5,000 auditors. I don't know if I'm at oh. 6,000 yet, but I've just, you know, um, and I'm just, I'm, tr I'm, I'm looking for comparisons of Jamie and so-and-so are like, and, and frankly, you've got more energy than, than quite a lot of teams that I've worked with, which is amazing. <laughs> and I think it's something for everybody, uh, that everybody can learn from, right? Because the energy, um, breeds more energy. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but it's like the, you know, the drop of water, you see that image, the drop of water and it creates these ripple effects. I think, I think that when that you come across as inspiring and knowledgeable and very trustworthy, and wouldn't it be great if all of our auditors felt that from within, felt that energy from within and felt that connection with their organizations that they could bring all of that as well. So kind of not a general, a direct answer maybe to your question, but that's just the thoughts that are going through my head as I'm, as I'm listening to you. So what a great example. And, you know, I guess a couple of questions. I've got a question from Bud I want to read. And I, I also think what happens when your personal values or your, your, you, the culture that you live in, doesn't align with your with the organization. I imagine 
at quick trips specifically because of how you discuss it, those that don't fit would kind of pop immediately, right? Very much so. And, you know, I hate to for it to sound that way, but if you completely don't align with your organization's culture, I believe you're at the wrong organization. If you don't buy into the mission and the vision of your organization, if you don't get excited about coming to work, if you're not excited about what your organization is trying to achieve, find a different organization that you can get behind. That's my opinion. And and not that that's as easily said as done. Now, there may be little areas of disconnect, and there have been some for me, especially coming from public accounting and going into Quick Trip. There were some things that were confusing for me at first. One of those is the concept of hierarchy. Hierarchy is a very big cultural thing here, and it really wasn't at my CPA firm. As a little 22-year-old, uh, I felt like I was equal to everyone in the organization. I didn't feel like there was anyone I couldn't talk to. And then coming to Quick Trip, that was something that was very learned for me. Every employee is valued at Quick Trip, but we do focus a lot on hierarchy when it comes to things like approvals, when it comes to vetting issues. And so that was something that was a disconnect for me at first. However, now I have bought into that because it's it's not necessarily a value difference. It's just a cultural difference that I needed to adapt to. And I, I think it's it's like top down, right? Like if the organization hasn't actually decided what their values and culture are, how can they bring the employees into it um, with them, right? So we have Definitely. a couple of questions here. Uh, Bud asks, should auditors comment on, on, but I'm not sure if I'm reading this right, should auditors comment on this, a strategic shortfall if their organization lacks a clear culture? Oh, mm-hmm. should audit comment when there's like a, I mean, That's a fantastic question. Uh, I'm going to say, and it's easy for me to say, right? Because I'm coming from an environment where we do have a very clear culture. Would I make that a critical audit finding in an audit report and blow it up with the board? No, no. (laughs) But I do think that, you know, there is a place for asking those probing questions, talking to the board about it, talking to the audit committee about it, just saying, what do you think our culture is? And have we defined that? asking those questions. I find that I I ask more questions than I do telling a lot of what I do and ask those probing questions. I, I like to say that I was that annoying kid who always wanted to know why. And as an auditor, I do the exact same thing. Hey, we thought about this. And then I think that that leads them to start thinking, hey, have we defined our culture? What does that mean? I think that you can also kind of slip some things in as hens, like share some best practices from other organizations that have defined their culture and some of the benefits to it. I think you can also kind of work it into the ERM process as well, because I think culture is so critical in the ERM process. Tracy, do you have any thoughts? Um, I think um, that asking them some some kind of probing questions and uh, benefits are, I was thinking, impact. So what is, you know, positive impact, negative impact. So what is the impact of not having to find this? What could we, what create if we did define this? Like where's the, what's the momentum that can, we can create? And what are the results that we can create? Not just for the business, but for our employees as well, you know? So, Definitely. Yeah. And um, Chaz has said, what has been the biggest roadblock and challenges in getting cultural alignment among IE and your organization? And how have you overcome these? That's a great question. I'm going to say my CAE has really level set that from the beginning, and he's done such a fantastic job. A lot of my interview questions in retrospect were weird. What is he talking about? (laughs) But I now know that they were all about cultural fit and trying to understand, would I be a good fit for our culture? Would I be aligned with our culture? For example, some of that is very servant related. 
our our culture, our store employees are taking care of our customers. They are the heart of our organization. And part of the quick trip culture is that corporate employees are not allowed to have any benefits that store employees can. So as an example of that, they were frontline during COVID. We did not work from home. We were sent home by the city for four weeks. But other than that, we've been in the office the entire time because the store employees, they didn't get that benefit. So we shouldn't. So understanding things like that is a huge part of, of corporate cultural alignment. My very first week on the job was working in the stores. And that was huge. I think that's so critical because I didn't come from the stores because I came from public accounting. My first week was spent, quite frankly, I spent a lot of time scrubbing toilets. I spent a lot of time mopping floors very badly, by the way. I'm sure they were so happy when I was done with my week in the stores because I wasn't great at it. But that really instilled our culture in me as well. So I think it has to come from top down. I think audit leadership has to set expectations for this is our culture. This is how we align with it. Our founder always liked to say, if you're not taking care of a customer, you'd better be taking care of someone who is. And I've heard that message from the top down my entire time in our audit group that the store employees are the heart of our organization and we need to focus on serving them. We need to focus on serving operations and making sure that we're supporting that as opposed to coming in with our checklist and trying to make their jobs harder. I love that. Uh, it, you know, it's it sparks a couple of thoughts for me. And, you know, I, I learned, and, and a lot of people think I'm nuts when I say this, but I learned my work ethic at McDonald's when I was 15. That's awesome. Right? So we were either working cash, we were cleaning, we were restocking. There was no standing still, right? It was it was about making sure everybody was ready for the next customer that came in the door. Um, so so yeah, clean as you go. So it was like never never stop. Always make sure everything's ready for the next customer. So, um, so we're talking about. I want to pull back to relationships a little bit. Um, I know in your article you mentioned some ways to build relationships. And um, what struck me too was that community service. So maybe you can talk about some of the things, uh, some of the ways auditors can build relationships within the organization that will help them serve the organization. That's a great question. So I'm going to just remind everyone, this is something I'm not naturally good at. I am very shy. I'm extroverted, but I'm shy. And so my natural tendency would probably be to sit in my office a lot. And I've had to challenge myself not to do that. So some of it is getting involved in committees, volunteering, signing up for day of caring when possible, signing up for other volunteer events. I've served on our United Way committee for, I think this will be my fourth year and that's been a great way for me to build relationships through serving, through engaging in projects with people who then I build relationships with. I've been involved in our Women's Leadership Initiative, and we had that from the very beginning, and that was super helpful for me. Uh, some of it is little things like when there's a retirement party, if you've ever worked with that person or their department, go to it. It's an hour out of your time. If there's a baby shower, pitch in for that as a department. We try to make sure that as a department, we're making a presence at all of these events that people don't just see us as the auditors. They see us as somebody who is engaging in the corporate culture, who's serving them. And I think part of it is even things like forcing yourself to leave your office or your audit area. Make sure you're not just talking to the other auditors, just saying hi to people in the shared common areas, asking them how their day is going, stuff that may not feel natural to us at first. And for me, I realized that a lot of my shyness was imposter syndrome. It was saying, well, I'm just an auditor. Why would they want to build a relationship with me? But focusing on how can I help them helped me overcome my imposter syndrome. I mean, I think those are great points. It, because the whole feeling I got when I read the article was like, we need to 
behave like human beings and Mm -hmm. show them that we are human beings. Because in a lot of organizations, there's just such a history with audit that maybe it hasn't been that pleasant. And, And we are all trying to change that with everything we do, with every communication that we have these days and and for the last few years. But there's sometimes there's that old uh, flavor there. So you almost, you, you know, it's something that some auditors need to overcome and then get comfortable with. So again, you know, auditors are independent, objective. They're not supposed to be close to the business. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see how auditors can be successful if they don't build those relationships. And I think that the, the relationship shouldn't end when the field work is over or the audit report is issued. So, you know, what are your thoughts around that whole end of audits? See ya. We'll be back in three years. <laughs> oh my goodness, 100%. And I made a huge mistake in that a few years ago and uh, realized that. So I was good about building relationships while I was working on an audit. I love people. I love my audit clients. And then I remember talking to someone when we were on a committee together a few years later, and she was like, yeah, you did our audit. And I felt like I had this new little friend. And then you left and we never talked again for a few years. And I felt awful because I realized that was true. And I'm not perfect at this, but I try to be more intentional about touching base in between audits. Maybe it's sending a Teams message just to say, hey, something reminded me of you. I wanted to see how things are going. Sometimes it's walking through the hallways. For us, our entire corporate office is one large campus. That makes it a little easier. If you're remote, it does have to be more electronic. Uh, Sometimes something I love to do is I love to, if I notice that somebody's been really successful in an initiative, shout them out on LinkedIn or send an email to their boss and copy them on it just saying, hey, I noticed they did a really great job. I was really impressed. Kudos to them on that. Just kind of checking in periodically in between the audit. I even have some groups, particularly our second line functions, that I set up periodic stand-ups or periodic lunches with people that I've worked with. So we'll go to lunch once a quarter. You know, it's not all the time. Yeah. But just catch up with each other and maintain that relationship. I, I think that's super important. Um, you know, some auditors aren't, aren't comfortable with it. I, I think, my, you know, my message to them would be get comfortable because you will yeah. find over time it does get easier and and you will be more successful and you will people will share people you build that trust factor as 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 you as you mentioned you know you build the no like and trust factor you know i i I use in my training a lot in my influencing um course um there's an old expression from the 70s is people buy from people they know like and trust and Mm, i've that's so true and i've bastardized that for my training is people people champion people refer people support people help people they know, like, and trust, right? Like, it's not just to sell something. It's actually, you know, you can create magic when you have those relationships and they don't stop when the, I mean, when the audit stops, you know? So I think that's that's super important. Um, Chaz has as a question about branding IA to enhance relationships. I've actually done workshops with clients to on how to change their brand. What are the initiatives they can take? It's a lot of brainstorming because I can give them answers, but it's better when they come up with it on their own. So um, what do you think about that branding of IA? Um, It sounds like you all might have a brand already, but any advice you can give for that? I think that's a great question. I will say, I don't know that we've done that formally, but I think part of that is just that tone at the top from our CAE down that we are here to serve. We are a service part of our business. We are here to help them achieve their goals. 
When I first came to Quick Trip, my boss told me, Jamie, I'd rather you miss something on an audit than fail to build relationships in your first few months here. So that's your focus. The first thing that he did when I came in, and we're actually bringing in a new auditor now and setting up those meetings for her, is he set up a meeting for me with every department head in the organization. Just a meet nice, hey, I'm the new auditor. What do you do? I'd love to get to know you to kind of start that relationship building process from the beginning. So I think you can do branding through Internal Audit Awareness Month. I think you can do more formal branding, especially if you're a large internal audit shop. You could do videos, you could do presentations. For us, it's been really grassroots branding because we're a smaller internal audit shop where we try to make sure that people understand that we're on their side and we try to build that brand through our actions. Yeah, and that, that's that's important. You build a brand through your actions and your communication and how you communicate and what you communicate, and how often you communicate and all those kinds of things. No, I think that's super advice. Um, I do want to just ask you, um, you talked about in your article about providing recognition. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it might be easier for auditors to do that in, in not, maybe not private conversations, but in smaller yeah. groups with, with the with the audit client along the way or with individuals in the, you know, the audit client team. Um, but what do you think about that in audit reports? I love it. That's something that we started doing. And it's contrary to what a lot of people say. I've heard people moving now towards just list the recommendations, make it more agile. I love agile auditing. I love a lot of those concepts, but I don't want to get rid of giving the positive feedback too. Now, obviously we're not putting fake positive feedback in there, But if we see that there's been a significant improvement from the last time we did an audit, we call that out because that's critical. We realized that we were painting the wrong picture because all the audit committee was seeing was a list of things that were wrong. If you're just issuing recommendations or findings, well, that paints a bad picture. Let's point out the things that are going really well and the things that maybe need some improvement or have opportunities for improvement. And I think that goes a long way in building relationships with the client as well. Yeah, my report might be a paragraph longer, but I'm okay with that. And and I, I agree, but I think a lot of auditors struggle with, well, how and where do I do that? I mean, I, I typically don't advise doing it inside a finding. I talk, you know, put something in your executive yeah. summary yes. um, and it has to be real and add value. And it can't be that, you know, we would like to thank the audit client for their, you know, super amazing cooperation, which is usually what we put in when they don't cooperate, right? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so really has to be value added there. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate your perspective on that because, you know, I'm all thing aud- things audit reports and uh, I could talk about audit reports for days and I do. But I have one more question for you. If you don't mind, and you've got like over 40 IMDb credits, I think it is. And um, I thought this was amazing because it takes and 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 you say you're shy so i'm trying to put the the pieces of the genie puzzle together and i'm struggling a little bit so you're shy but you do commercials and you do movies and you're an auditor and you're in this amazing culture at quick trip so um how does acting contribute um to your success as an auditor or um to you know being a thought leader in the in the internal audit industry and, and sharing your knowledge I think acting really has gotten me where I am. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been acting since I was little. Started doing community theater when I was 11, started doing professional theater when I was 13, and started doing film and commercial work when I was 24, I think. And so I love it. Acting is all about understanding motivation. It's all about understanding the human element, what makes people tick. And the first thing that you do when you get your script is you try to break down what each character is trying to achieve, what their goals are, what do they want? 
Well, as an auditor, I have to understand what my clients want. Often we go in with our checklist of what are the controls, what are the risks? I don't care about any of that at first. I want to know, what are you trying to achieve? What do you want? And then I'm able to help them. And it also helps me anticipate barriers because if I know that this client's main thing that they want is a clean audit report because they're afraid their boss is going to get mad at them, that helps me anticipate barriers to if we do have findings or if we do have some recommendations or opportunities for them, how do we work together? How do we both kind of get what we want? Because what I want, of course, is to help them achieve their goals. And what they want is also to achieve their goals, but not look bad. And so we're able to have more truthful, honest conversations with each other. I think understanding that human element comes a lot out of acting. That's very, very interesting. And I think, you know, when we understand what their goals are, maybe what their pain points are, and if they, you know, don't want to look bad, which I know some people mm-hmm. still have, it's yeah. it's maybe helping them present their arguments in a way that other people are going to actually see the benefits of of this. Right. I have that conversation a lot with audit clients is they're like, oh, well, some people are going to say and I'm like, call me, we'll put together the argumentation and then you can present (laughs) it in an exciting way that's going to help them. Right. Because that's that's really all this these things do is they help the individuals, they help their teams, it helps the organization and ideally helps the world. Right. Definitely. Listen, I'm going to throw it back to you in a sec for the last word, but I really want to thank you for joining me. I love talking about communication and audit and relationships, and I love adding in, you know, the concept of culture and how that can really help us, can help bond us actually um, together as a team and together with the people in the organization. So normally I would say with the organization, but actually it's with the people in the organization. So thanks so much for being here. And the last word is for you. Oh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. You're such an expert in communication and relationship building. So it's just been an honor to get to chat with you about something I think we're both passionate about. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Tracy. Tracy.